Good Monday afternoon, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville Show. Thank you kindly for joining us live in downtown Charlottesville in our building, the Macklin Building on Market Street. Today's program is raw, it's real, it's authentic, and it cuts through the crap. I'm so excited to connect with you through this platform live on every social platform known to mankind. The show archived everywhere, including ilovesevil.com. Jay Dubs is in the house, and I'm back after a 10-day hiatus at the beach. I'm charged and, and jacked more than I've ever been before. I encourage you guys to look at the screen. Look at the screen and look at the screen now for a glimpse of what we're going to talk about today on a gorgeous Monday in the Commonwealth. We give some props to David and Skuma Boutique Dispensary. David and Skuma Boutique dispensary on the downtown mall, guys. Locally owned and operated. David's going to join us on this program in a matter of days. We also give props to Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine for being a part of the show. Today's program, guys, is going to talk dairy market and phase three development. I did an analysis while at the beach last week, an analysis that went viral, an analysis that undoubtedly irritated some people. But guess what? That analysis was real, it was honest, and it was a crystal ball of actually what's going to transpire in this community. I'm going to break down phase three of dairy market for you in the most simplistic terms possible, literally the most simplistic terms possible, and I'm going to highlight for you, the viewer and the listener, why much of this community, and by much I mean, I'm not even going to use the word much, I'm going to say... Why less than 500 people in this community, a 300,000 person market, less than 500 people is what? 1.5%, 300,000. I literally am going to say 1.5% of our community of 300,000 people are upset with what Chris Henry and Dairy Market is trying to do. Less than 500 people. I'm going to explain to you what's going to actually happen, and then I'm going to explain to you what is actually going to happen, why it's good for this community. Today, we're also going to talk about Allison Spillman's fundraiser. She's featuring Tim Kane's wife at a fundraiser at Greencroft. Hey, I thought school board... Races were supposed to be apolitical. I didn't think school board races were supposed to be tied to Democrats and Republicans. That's what Allison Spillman's been talking about when it comes to Dr. Meg Bryce. Allison Spillman and Dr. Meg Bryce are running for the at-large seat for the Admiral County School Board. Allison Spillman on one day is saying Dr. Meg Bryce is a conservative Republican towing the company line of her father, the late Supreme Court Justice. And then on the other day, on the other side of her mouth, she's, told, she's hosting a fundraiser with the Honorable Ann Holton, who, if you do a little research, is the wife of Tim Kaine. What's that called? It starts with an H. I'll give you a hint. We're also going to talk school buses and school bus drivers. Yet again, for a third straight school year, Albemarle County students will be arriving to school after the first period has already completed or transpired. And those same students will be arriving home from school all on a school bus hours later than they're supposed to be. And the students that are being impacted by this are those living on the financial margin with parents that work with, uh, with parents that work jobs, long hours, are those that cannot afford transportation or to drive their kids to and from school their own. We'll break that down on today's program. I'm going to talk the daily progress. I have postmen and postwomen all over Central Virginia direct messaging me. I'm literally talking nearly two dozen postmen and postwomen have DM'd me, texted me, emailed me, voice messaged me in some capacity because they said they are feeling the wrath of people in this community for delivering their newspaper late. And these same postmen and postwomen are saying, Jerry, it's not our fault. And they highlighted literally today, literally today, that the daily progress from this past Thursday and this past Saturday is being delivered to homes later this evening. 
if you're delivering the newspaper four days late, that is akin to making stock picks and stock trades with carrier pigeon. That's akin to telling a mom the birth of her child, a mom that's pregnant, the birth of your child, we will let you know if you're having a boy or a girl with, what's akin to carrier pigeon, Judah? That's slow. Western Union? An OBGYN telling a mom the sex of their child by Morse code? I mean, what's akin, what's, what's slower than a carrier pigeon? Snails. Snails? Judah says snails. Snails. We'll talk about that on today's program as well. And I'll break down the CAR Q2 report on today's program. On today's program as well. I don't, what's a semaphore, Anonymous? Deep throat. Do you know what a semaphore is, J-Dubs? Uh, I believe it has to do with... Are you uh, on a three, two shots so people can see your face? And is your mic on over there? Yeah, it's on. Fantastic. What, what, what's a semaphore? Deep throat uh, is a smart, smart man. I think it has to do with the flags that they that they uh, use at the. Um, oh, finish your thought. At the uh, like for for boats when you're at the the dock or the whatever they like at those you know you've seen like the divers flags on the backs of people's like stickers on people's bumpers and stuff. Judah Wickhauer is a smart man. He says it's the system of using flags to communicate by relay. It was invented by Napoleon. The semaphore flag signaling system is an alphabet signaling system based on waving a pair of handheld flags in a particular pattern. That's exactly right. The Daily Progress is using the post office to deliver its print product. That is akin to delivering the news by semaphore flag signaling system. Ladies and gentlemen, that means it's slow. It's archaic. It's not the most functional way of doing something. Let's go on a one shot. I want to do the lead story. A gift we have right here from Lisa Custolo, the queen of Cherry Avenue. I was at the beach when she delivered this, so I have not had an opportunity to open this gift. Lisa Custolo, before I open your gift, I appreciate your kindness, your generosity, and thank you kindly for dropping this gift off here at our studio, at our headquarters in downtown Charlottesville. I cannot wait to see what is in here. First, a card. She writes a card. She says, congratulations on your achievement. Success always means more when it happens to someone who has truly earned it. Thank you, Lisa. She says, Jerry Miller, thank you for reminding us that success is possible for anyone in America. Signed, Lisa Custolo. She says, you should feel so proud. You set yourself a goal and you overcame all obstacles until you achieved it. Lisa, thank you. Thank you for this handwritten card. I'm curious to see what is in here. This gift bag is very pretty, Lisa. I love the glitter right here. It's very nice glitter and shiny. In the gift, oh my God, dude. Judah. She gives me a photo of Cuban immigrants, my Mima and my Poppy and my mother immigrated from Cuba. I've documented and told that story so many times. And here's a photo of Cuban immigrants from 1965 saying their final goodbyes. This is the dock area in Cuba. Farewell scenes, which were very typical. This picture was made by George Swears of the St. Petersburg Times as a group of Cubans prepared to leave Cuba for Key West, Florida. The background is a compound area where departing Cubans are processed by the Castro government. This is beautiful. Lisa, thank you. I sincerely mean that, Lisa Custolo. We will display this photo on set right here for today, and I will legitimately showcase this picture in our headquarters for perpetuity. I'm grateful, Lisa Custolo, very grateful. Thank you for your viewership, your participation, your listenership, and this extremely kind gift. Thank you. The first story, the first headline, 
is Dairy Market. If you are new to this show, I encourage you to go to ilovesevil.com and read my, uh, my analysis on phase three of Dairy Market's development. This project, ladies and gentlemen, is good for Charlottesville for so many different reasons. Chris Henry is a developer. He's the owner of Stony Point Development. Chris Henry is the vision, the sweat equity, and the effort behind Dairy Market and Dairy Central. The redevelopment or the conversion of the old Monticello Dairy Building literally in the heart of Charlottesville. Currently, Chris Henry and his firm, Stony Point, are coming under the crossfire. And they're coming under the crossfire by less than 500 people. And this small contingent, this very small group of less than 500 people in a 300,000 person market are making noise. And they're doing it by strategizing, organizing, and galvanizing, and utilizing social media. And they're literally linking Dairy Market and Dairy Central to Vinegar Hill. And they're saying what Chris Henry is doing is akin to the displacement we saw in 1965 during urban renewal when 158 African-American families, one church, and 30 businesses were displaced from downtown Charlottesville at the location where Siren Restaurant is located, where Staples Office Supply is located. I wrote an analysis while I was at the beach this past week saying that is literally insulting to the 158 Vinegar Hill families who lost their homes, their church, their businesses, and their community, and then were jettisoned, forced to public housing, many in the West Haven community. What Chris Henry and Stony Point are trying to do with phase three dairy market development is nothing at all similar to what happened to Vinegar Hill. Chris Henry is taking asphalt parking lots and antiquated buildings and building roughly 400 apartments which would house roughly 600 Charlottesvillians. This project, ladies and gentlemen, is a project that will create incremental housing for a housing-strapped community. When you create new housing, you open up other housing opportunities for many on the socioeconomic ecosystem or ladder. To say that what Chris Henry and Stony Point are doing is exactly what happened with Vinegar Hill is an insult to the 158 families that went through urban renewal in downtown Charlottesville in 1965. And I want everyone that's watching this program to hear me and to listen very closely. Chris Henry and Stony Point are going to be able to do this when the new upzoning is approved and we're a couple of months, if not shorter, from that happening. Michael Payne, a current city councilor, after I did my analysis, and, and, and Michael Payne, are you watching right now? Michael Payne, you watching right now, dog? Let me know if you're watching right now, city councilor Payne. After I did my analysis on dairy market, he responded to mine with a, with a similar analysis on his page. And the most important aspect of Michael Payne's analysis is the following paragraph that I'm going to read verbatim to you. Quote, this is literally from Michael Payne and his Facebook page. Quote, finally, under our draft zoning proposal, Preston Avenue is zoned CX5 and CX8. This means developers can build by right up to seven and ten stories, meaning this dairy market project can happen without any vote needed by city council or planning commission. I need to be frank and straightforward with you here. And the 500 people in this community aren't going to like to hear this. But the reason you watch this program is because I am unabashed and I never seek approval and I am true to myself. And I know what I'm saying is the truth. 
the same 500 people that are attacking Chris Henry and Dairy Market are the contingent that pushed up zoning and rezoning to this point. And the 500 people that are against Dairy Market and Chris Henry right now are the ones that have been championing and celebrating and driving the momentum behind more density in our 10.2 square mile city. These folks cannot say we want housing on Park Street, density in North Downtown, ADUs in upzoning in Belmont, ADUs in upzoning on Rugby, more density in Greenbrier, more density in white, affluent, single-family, detached neighborhoods, and also be against density on Preston Avenue next to 10th and Page in a historically African-American community. Because that, ladies and gentlemen, is the quintessential definition of hypocrisy. We do not get to cherry pick where upzoning happens. Upzoning is not only going to happen in Greenbrier. Upzoning is not only going to happen in Rugby. Upzoning is not only going to happen in North Downtown and Belmont. Upzoning is not only going to happen around the Downtown Mall. It's going to happen on Cherry Avenue. It's going to happen in the Prospect neighborhood. It's going to happen in the Star Hill neighborhood. And it's going to happen on 10th and Page. And you need to hear what I'm saying. The 500 people, I don't even think it's that many, that are against what Chris is doing, the same people that have been championing and supporting and celebrating upzoning, you reap what you sow. This is the collateral damage of what you have been pushing for the last two, three, four years. You never anticipated the upzoning impacting a historically African-American neighborhood, did you? And the reality is, the first true iteration of upzoning is going to be this project on Preston Avenue. And Chris, he went to a church on Preston to listen to you. And he is a guy that listens to learn. But the reality is, he can wait 60 days and do this project by right without your input. And that's me cutting through the bullshit. Chris is going to take asphalt parking lots and broken down buildings and build 400 apartments that will be home to, on average, 1.5 people per apartment or 600 people in totality. And those 600 people that live in those 400 units, they will have housing in the heart of Charlottesville and they will choose to live there because of its walkability, its livability, and they will live there instead of cannibalizing are taking up housing elsewhere. And that will free up or take economic, financial pressure, value pressure off other housing units in Charlottesville City. And that's how it works. But why 500 people, I don't even think it's that many, are so up in arms about what's happening is because they never anticipated happening next to them. They always anticipated or they expected it to happen in single-family detached, affluent, and white neighborhoods. And it very well could happen there. But the first iteration of upzoning and the collateral damage of it is going to be right next to 10th and Page. Mark it down. And Chris to his credit, is going to potentially offer the laundry mat that everyone's voicing their opinion about 
Where's the neighborhood going to do their laundry if Preston Suds is demolished, when Preston Suds is demolished? He's going to offer a storefront unit in this mixed-use 400-unit apartment development to Preston Suds or a similar laundromat. Because Chris knows how to play the, the political game. And here's what it really comes down to. When you let government interfere with the free market, and upzoning is letting government interfere with the free market, the collateral damage is always worse than if you just let the free market be the free market and do what it does. Government intervened. And government started making things complicated with this new zoning ordinance, this new future land use map, this new upzoning and rezoning strategy. And the irony, the sad irony of it all, is the same folks that pushed upzoning through are the same folks who are going to be impacted by it first and perhaps most. That is irony. Thoughts, put them in the feed. Thoughts, put them in the feed. That's how it's going to play out, phase three. Mark it down. All right, put the Allison Spillman flyer on screen. Johnny Ornalis, Capasa. Thank you, Johnny Ornalis. It's good to be back, my friend. MJR Cat, the queen of marketing. Good to see you. Katie Pearl, welcome to the program. KTP. Love you, KTP. John Blair, hello, welcome to the program. Thank you for watching the program, JB. Allison Spillman's live on screen? Yeah. Look at the screen now. Look, Allison Spillman and Dr. Meg Bryce, you got a dogfight going down right here. In a Every local election, and I'm talking board of supervisors or school, you know what? I'm going to even throw the delegate race in there. You got Steve Harvey going toe to toe against Katrina Colson. No, excuse me. I strike that, strike that. Give me one second. I'm drawing a blank. Steve Harvey is running right now in the Virginia House of Delegates District 55 race against Amy Lawfer. Thank you. Steve Harvey and Amy Lawfer, that race, when it comes down to it come November, is going to be a bit contentious. But the reality is Amy Lawfer is going to have minimum, and I want you to mark this down, 85% maybe 90% of the vote. She's going to crush this election. It's not going to be close. The most beef-oriented, contentious local election is going to be Dr. Meg Bryce against Allison Spillman. Allison Spillman against Dr. Meg Bryce. Maybe T.J. Fadeley and B. Lepisto Kirtley could be a little contentious, a little beef-oriented, could be a little brouhaha, but I don't see it being too much of a soap opera. I think Bryce and Spillman is already showing many soap opera tendencies. Spillman on one day, out of one side of her mouth, literally says the general election spot for the Almore County School Board race should not be about politics, Republican, Democrat, or Libertarian, but Dr. Meg Bryce is clearly voting like her late father, the Supreme Court Justice has done, and she will do the same. Then the next day, out of the other side of her mouth, you see Spillman in photos with her arms next around Cree Deeds, and you see Spillman hosting fundraisers with Tim Kaine's wife. I, that seems odd to me. If you want to rotate the uh, header spot, that would be great. On the PTIs, that would be great, J-Dubs. 
How can you say on one day the general election school board race spot should not be about party politics, and then the very next day you host a fundraiser at Greencroft with Tim Kaine's wife, Ann Holton, the former Secretary of Education for Virginia. Isn't that hypocrisy? Isn't that akin to progressives and activists and socialists and Charlottesville saying, upzone Charlottesville, we need more supply, give us more density, give us apartments, give us ADUs, give us granny cottages, and put them on Park Street, and put them on Rugby, and put them in Greenbrier, and put them in North Downtown, but don't put them on 10th and Page, don't put them on Prospect, don't put them on Cherry, Spillman, General Election, Admiral County School Board, it's not about party politics. All Bryce is doing is voting like her father did. Next day, fundraiser, Tim Kaine's wife, at Greencroft, a private club, with suggested contribution levels of $2,900, $1,000, or $500. And, and, and Judah, do you know what that red carnation signifies on the flyer? No. Google, everybody do this. Red Carnation Politics. Google Red Carnation and Politics. In fact, do it even more. Red Carnation and U.S. Politics. And see what you find. And I'll allow you to do a little research on the Red Carnation. You, the viewer and listener. Do a little research on what that red carnation means. So, this is what I try to do with this program, is I try to cut through BS. And I try to... I try to use the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. I'm using the KISS method to highlight the hypocrisy when it comes to phase three of dairy markets development. I'm using the KISS method to highlight the hypocrisy of what Allison Spillman is doing, literally leveraging Tim Kaine's wife to drive $2,500, $2,900, $1,000, and $500 donations. Two or three weeks ago, when Dr. Meg Bryce, who is demolishing Allison Spillman from a fundraising standpoint. Look at vpap.org. I'm going to vpap.org. V-P-A-P.org. V-P-A-P.org. I'm going into the search function and I'm typing in Meg Bryce into the search function on vprice on vpap.org. I'm seeing the fundraising totals that Meg Bryce has. Meg Bryce, at this point, according to vpap.org, has $41,505 in contributions since she started. Judah, write down the number 41505 41505 I'm now going to vpap.org, and I'm putting in the search function Allison Spillman. Allison Spillman has... Whoa. Ruh-oh. Could this be true? Does, does, does it say 1000 $1,165? $1, Hold on a second. A Al Allie, A Allison, Ms. Spillman, your, your, your total contributions to this point with, with the election now, September, October, November, hmm, less than 90 days away? Ms. Spillman, you've raised... What was the number again, Judah? Let me, let me just make sure. Hold, hold on again. Oh, i got to make sure. Allison Spillman. And in fact, let me, let me double check. Are you on a two-shot? Can you go to a two-shot, please? Can, can you help me out here? Or can, can you slide over so we can both see this? And you can... What, 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 is, what does that say? 1,167. What, what's that number next? What, her, what name is that? Allison Spillman. Says what? 1,167. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Hold on. 
What, what does that say? Hold on. What's that number? 41,505. Mm. Cool. What do you call that? A $40,000 disparity? Roughly? Yeah. What, how would you characterize a $40,000 disparity? Roughly? How would I characterize it? I'm not sure what you're, what you want, what you're asking. How would you characterize the disparity of $40,000 in a school board race? Large. You heard it right there from Judah Wickhauer. Large. So here's what's happening. On one day, in the general election, the at-large seat for the Almoral County School Board, on a Monday, Allison Spillman says, my opponent is just going to vote and initiate policy like her father, the late Supreme Court Justice, did. Conservative. And then on a Tuesday, she's hosting fundraisers with Tim Kaine's wife, Ann Holton. On a Wednesday, Allison Spillman is saying, the at-large seat for the Avalon County School Board is not about party politics, and that's what Meg Bryce is doing. But on a Thursday, she's hosting a, general, she's hosting a fundraiser with Tim Kaine's wife. And then on a Friday, Allison Spillman is saying, Meg Bryce is trying to buy the election. She's got 41 G's in fundraising. She says that on Friday. But then on a Saturday, she's hosting a fundraiser event where she's looking for $2,900, one G or 500 for you to be a part of it, and it's done at a private club, Greencroft. That's called hypocrisy. That's hypocrisy. That's the same hypocrisy that progressives are doing with Chris Henry's development at Dairy Market. You can't say upzone the entire city, but not next to our neighborhood. You can't say Bryce is buying the election, but I'm trying to do it too. Come on. And that's why you listen to this program. Catherine Lochner, oh, I found it. The red carnation is a symbol of socialism. That's from Catherine Lochner. Left the comment in the comment section. Former school board candidate, Elmore County herself. Chad Wood says, don't forget the picnic with the Elmore Democrats when it comes to Spillman. You watch and listen because I don't bullshit you. I got a TV station and a local newspaper watching us right now. Literally. John Blair leaves this comment. The entire idea of a school board being separate from the local governing body was literally because people in New England, where the idea of school board originated in America, believed that politics should never enter the education. Thank you for leaving this comment, John Blair. I'm giving you some props right now. Thank you for leaving this comment, my friend. Oh. Catherine Lochner, I'm responding to your comment. Catherine, thank you for leaving this comment. All right. I got to get to Almoral County, man. I'm going to continue with the Almoral County chitter chatter. An email was sent to parents, J Dubs. J Dubs, let's go to a two shot. Let's get you in the mix. I've, I've missed talking to you. I'm sure you've missed talking to, to me as much as I've missed talking to you. Mm -hmm. I get this email from, I don't know, like, maybe a dozen Almore County parents, maybe more. One particular parent. Mr. McAdams, he says this to me, Jerry. He says, the Almaro County school budget literally says this to me. The yearly budget for Almaro County schools is 
over $250 million. Yet my kids, who live in the Blenheim area of Almoral County, cannot get to school on time or home on time because they don't have enough bus drivers. Here's what the email says. Despite our ongoing improvement efforts, we regret that we will be unable to provide bus transportation to every student in our school system who needs it. If you registered for transportation and were unable to assign your child to a bus route, we will notify you by or before August 7th. That's today. For three years. Three years. One of the wealthiest, most affluent counties in the Commonwealth of Virginia, a county that's spending over $18,000 per student on average this coming school year, still cannot transport children to and from school on time. And you know what is horribly unfortunate? the children of working class families, families whose moms and moms, dads and dads, moms and dads, whatever the iteration is, have to go and punch a clock. They're the families that suffer the most from this travesty. Almoral County is reinforcing, driving momentum behind the class system. Because the students, the kids, the babies, the bambinos, the children of working class families are literally missing an entire period. They're getting home late and unable to do their homework on time. Because they're stuck in a yellow tin can or unable to even ride the bus altogether. And you know what the most ridiculous thing is? And then you jump in here. Almoral County literally sends this message. Are you ready for this? We've expanded walking zones at four schools and created new walking zones at five other schools. It's one thing to have walking zones or the walking bus in the city of Charlottesville when the schools and the houses are closely aligned from a location standpoint. How the HE double hockey sticks will a kid in Blenheim or a kid in Greenwood walk to school? How is a kid from a working class family in Keswick, and I'm telling you right now, they're working class families in Keswick. It's not just estates in Glenmore. Walk to Stone Robinson on a bypass when the cars are going 60 miles an hour on a two lane road with no shoulder on it. Almoral County Public Schools are driving tailwinds, reinforcing, and momentum behind the class system because babies, kids, children are missing school and unable to do their homework at the same frequency and clip as wealthy and affluent families and children. Three effing years, Judah. You see why general election seats in the Almore County School Board matter? Do we see why Almore County Board of Supervisor races matter? When will the Almoral County School Board say this? I'm not going to give you 250 some million dollars until you solve the transportation issue. The county budget in totality is just is over 400 million. The number one line item for the Almoral County yearly budget is what? The number one. Uh, What's the number one line item in the Almoral County budget every year? The number one cost for Almore County every year. School buses? I don't know. Schools. Effing schools. Funding schools. 
400 plus million for the county to run over the course of one year, 250 plus million for schools. And they can't get kids to school on time or home on time. Three effing years we've talked about this. Anything you want to add? If you don't want to add anything, that's totally fine as well. I'll tell you how you can solve this problem. But I'm, I love your perspective. I value your perspective. I mean, walking routes aren't really a bad thing. Um, I, I, sure that uh, I'm sure that it's not as crazy as uh, you know. Obviously, kids aren't going to be walking from Glenmore to uh, to Stone Robinson. Uh, you know that. I mean, it's nuts. You're right. Nobody's going to send their kids walking down that road with cars going 65 plus miles per hour. It's not the Glenmore kids that are going to be walking to Stone Robinson. It's okay. the kids that live around or outside of Glenmore or Shadwell Estates that are going to be walking to and from Stone Robinson. I mean, are you sure about that? Are you sure that they aren't? That they I are, drive by them. Are you, okay. That's the path I take. So they're already doing it. I see kids literally walking to Stone Robinson. Maria Marshall Barnes says this, middle school had to wait 20 minutes after school last year for high schoolers to be dropped off to the bus then home. This comes in from Miss Divins. Miss Divins says, the students aren't only showing up late to our house, but they're missing a period and a half of school. Mr. McAdams says this, are you effing kidding me? We have a budget that is one of the highest in the Commonwealth, and they can't get my kids to school on time. This is ridiculous. Here's how you solve it. You want to know how you solve this? You don't solve it at the school board level. You solve it at the Board of Supervisor level. And would this create political outcry? Hell yeah, it would. But the Almoral County Board of Supervisors should say to the Almoral County School Board, I am not going to give you a dime of the money you need for this school until you solve this problem yesterday. The school board gets 250 plus million a year from the Board of Supervisors. That's the extent of the influence the Board of Supervisors has. And when the Board of Supervisors before it funnels 250 plus effing dollars to the school board, it should say, this money is going to be held in an escrow account right here. And until you solve the transportation problem, you ain't getting the money. That would create entrepreneurial thinking and a sense of immediacy from Superintendent Dr. Matthew Haas and the Amor County School Board. Immediate results would happen at that point. Dylan's rule, thanks for the retweet on Twitter. Two TV stations watching the program literally as I'm talking right now. Catherine Lochner, that's a hell of an idea. She says, maybe you consider school bus driving to not be a part-time job anymore. Maybe it should be reconsidered or reclassified as a full-time job. Excellent comment. Bus drivers are expected to drive kids to school, which means they wake up at 4.30 a.m. And when they drop them off at school, they go off the clock. And then they go back on the clock in the early afternoon to drive kids home. What the hell is a bus driver going to do from 7.45 or 8 in the morning until 1.30 or 2 p.m.? Play pickup sticks? Do you think a bunch of bus drivers are getting together and playing uh, spit? Remember the card game spit, Judah? Vaguely. Remember pickup sticks, Judah? Yep. Remember marbles, Judah? Remember Game Boys, Judah? Do you think the school bus drivers are playing Pokemon? Or pickup sticks? 
at the, uh, where would they be doing this in Almoro County? Where would they be playing pickup sticks and Pokemon and Game Boy and, and marbles and darts in Almoro County? Are the school bus drivers going to the Lazy Parrot on Pantops and playing pickup sticks after they drop off some kids in the morning and then have to go pick up the kids in the afternoon? No, they're probably driving home. And once they drive home after dropping off kids in the morning, they're like, Jesus, I make pennies on the dollar. I'm an indentured servant. Why would I keep doing this? My margin's being shrunk by driving to and from my house in the middle of the day. Lochner is right. Make it a full-time job. Kelly Jackson says, we have not gotten my kid's bus schedule yet, but I know it will be messed up if there is even a bus to come get her. And Jackson's coming from affluence. KJ, we need to get you back on the show, Chica. Miss seeing your face. Sincerely mean that, KJ. What, can you go back to a two-shot? What was your favorite game you played when you were a kid? Favorite game? Let's see. Uh, played tag a lot. Uh, love some... Uh, love some handball with the, those big red uh, those big red balls I love big red balls who doesn't love big red balls exactly big red balls all day big red balls what else did you play uh, let's see I, 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 <laughs> lots of handball um, I don't know what else I played uh, usually running around the neighborhood like getting into trouble uh, jumping over walls like uh I don't know. Goofing off. This is a, these are great comments from Deep Throat. God, I love you, Deep Throat. Welcome back to Charlottesville Anonymous. He says, so Almoro County and the city of Charlottesville are paying gobsmacking amounts of money for climate action. And then he says, would you say not making parents drive one or two kids apiece to school in the absence of buses would be an effective form of climate action remediation? Absolutely. Almoral County in the city of Charlottesville, Michael Payne, other people say, stop hurting the environment. Let's make sure we're an eco-friendly city. Almoral County is going to be green. Yet we want thousands of parents to drive one or two kids all over Almoral County because we can't afford to get buses to pick up kids and to consolidate the transportation. The theme of today's show is hypocrisy. How can the government be pro-climate action and pro-climate remediation and pro-climate positivity, yet insist its parents drive children all over the city and the county because they can't solve bus driver transportation issues? That's hypocrisy. Deep Throat says maybe spend some of that climate action money on bus driver pay increase or CDL training instead of conferences, junkets, and consult consultants on climate. God, that's so effing good, Deep Throat. Oh, it's good to be back in this chair. Deep Throat also says Albemarle County should partner with Amazon. When the bus driver goes off the clock, the drivers can spend the middle of the day driving Amazon trucks. But seriously, short hours and or seasonal work is tricky to make up an ad. The problem is we are running our local governments with the mindset of bureaucrats. Supervisors, take the money, put it in an escrow account, and don't allocate it to the school board and Dr. Haas until there is a solution. And then watch as that forces entrepreneurial and innovative thinking. Kelly Jackson, absolutely. This is something we've covered on previous shows. I think Andre Xavier and John Craig do this. Take your buses, your hop-on buses that are sitting in empty parking lots during the week and transport kids at $100 a kid. Jason Howard on Rio Road. Look at the county job site. It says there are some full-time bus spots, some part-time morning only, some part-time evenings only. 
21 to $38 an hour based on CDL experience. 21 an hour starting may not be a competing starting wage given the demand for CDL holders and the expense incurred getting your CDL. That's the problem. Getting your CDL is hard as F. It's not easy. An experienced CDL driver can make a lot more than 38 bones an hour driving a truck for a beer distributor. Ridiculous. All right. I got a TV commercial shoot at 2 o'clock, and I have to get there. Do we have, we have the scripts and the rig and the equipment ready for this TV commercial shoot at 2 o'clock, J-Dubs? Yep. Okay. We're going to get out of here at 1.42 and 22 seconds. Is the vehicle, is the company vehicle parked closely? Not too far. Okay. It's great to be back, Maria Marshall Barnes. It's great to be here. All right. Before I forget, I need to get this out there. The Jerry and Jerry show starts tomorrow at 10.15 a.m. Jerry Ratcliffe and yours truly doing a sports show, 10.15 a.m. tomorrow. Jerry Ratcliffe, the iconic and institutional journalist, former sports editor and columnist at the Daily Progress, award-winning writer. Jerry Ratcliffe and I will host a show on this network at 10.15 a.m. tomorrow. I already have a number of partners lined up to present the show. Those details to come as August transpires. Before I also forget this, I've gotten comments from a number of postal workers, DMs, texts, emails, even voice messages, saying, stop yelling at us at our mail route for a daily progress print newspaper that is coming days late. For example, today, the post office workers, the postmen, are delivering this past Thursday's newspaper. Good Lord. This past Thursday's newspaper is being delivered today. I want you to think about that. And people are paying for that. How much longer will the Daily Progress have the income from print delivery? I can't imagine very much longer. And my follow-up question to that is, once people say F you to the Daily Progress and this print delivery that's not coming on time, and they lose that revenue... How much longer can the Daily Progress afford to be the Daily Progress? We're in the early stages of literally watching the local newspaper potentially fold. And John Blair and I have talked about this on social channels. John, you and I are both in agreement here. JB, are you still watching this program? John Blair, John Blair. This is what's going to happen. Lee Enterprises is the owner of the most amount of newspapers in this community, in this commonwealth, excuse me, in the commonwealth of Virginia, Lee Enterprises owns the most amount of newspapers, including the Daily Progress, including the Richmond Times-Dispatch. I believe the Roanoke Times as well. The Richmond Times-Dispatch is going to end up being the newspaper for all of Virginia. And one or two reporters from the Daily Progress will keep their jobs. All the other ones will be let go. All the other editors, designers, and salespeople will be let go. And those one or two newspaper writers will be in charge with the Central Virginia Bureau. And they will file their stories on their computers from coffee shops or their respective living rooms and houses. And their one or two stories will be featured in the Richmond Times-Dispatch website. I don't even think the Richmond Times-Dispatch is going to have a newspaper anymore. And then the Richmond Times-Dispatch is going to be the newspaper for the Commonwealth of Virginia. There will be no other Roanoke Times, no Daily Progress, no other newspapers that it owns. Lee Enterprises, let's see what Lee Enterprises owns. Let's see if I can find that. Can you find out Lee Enterprises, Judah? Lee Enterprises owns newspapers in Virginia. Find out which newspapers it owns, if you could please, sir. The Daily, here's what I think it is. The Daily Progress, Charlottesville. I think it owns the Freelance Star in Fredericksburg. I think it owns the, the Danville newspaper, the Register and Bee. I think it owns the Bristol Herald paper in Bristol, Virginia, the Martinsville Bulletin. I think it owns the Roanoke Times, the News Virginian, the Lynchburg News in Advance. Those are just off the top of my head. Let me know if you can help me out on that. Which papers does Lee Enterprise own? You can jump in anytime you want. Maybe the Culpeper Star and Exponent as well. 
The show is yours if you have that information. They own a lot of them. What, are the, what do they own? See if I was right. Daily Progress. Up. That's one. Fredericksburg Freelance Star. I said that. Danville Register B. I said that. Go Dan River. Bristol Herald Courier. Said that. Martinsville Bulletin. Said that. Lynchburg News in Advance. Said that. The News Virginian. Said that. Richmond Times Dispatch. Said that. Roanoke Times. Said that. Culpepper Star Exponent. Said that. SWVA Today. I didn't say that. I did not say that. Franklin News Post. What was the last one? Franklin News Post. Okay. So how many newspapers is that? Is that 12 they own? Yeah. Just off the top of my head, is that 12? That's 12 in Virginia. Lee Enterprises owns 12 effing newspapers in Virginia. You are literally seeing a company and Lee Enterprise... Lee Enterprises crush local news, and they're going to consolidate it into their flagship paper, the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Folks are going to lose their job except one or two in each market, and those one or two are going to be the bureau for that respective market filing stories each day. And then they're going to have a sales team sell the Commonwealth of Virginia. And just like that, you will see local news eviscerated, literally eviscerated. It's going to prioritize and value the I Love Seville show and the I Love Seville network even more. But the I Love Seville show and the I Love Seville network is only as strong as the news story, new stories it covers. Oh, my God. All right. We have... 11 minutes here, Judah Wickhauer. Make sure you're, you're, make sure you're rotating that, uh, that spot over there. Please, sir. All right, let's get to the CAR Q2 report. CAR is the Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors. The Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors released its report for the second quarter uh, last week, the second quarter is January, January, February, March. The second quarter is April, May, June. So the Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors released the report for April, May, and June. April, May, and June. June, April, May. April, May, and June. The Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors released its second quarter report in August, which is roughly six weeks late. Now, the Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors is reliant upon Virginia Realtors, Virginia Realtors for the data. So I'm saying this. This is not the fault of the Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors. This is data being assessed and analyzed by Virginia realtors in not the timeliest of fashions. What's happening with these reports is the same thing that's happening with local newspapers and the United States Postal Service. Local newspapers are legitimately using the post office to deliver the news, and the news is being delivered in very late fashion. The real estate data is being delivered six weeks late late into the third quarter, when the data is antiquated and old and meaningless. Very similar things happening there. So I'm going to try to highlight a couple things here. Judah, can you go to, can you go to car, caar.com? And let me know when you're on caar.com. Please, sir. All right. Okay. See how it says CAR 2023 second quarter home sales report now available? Yep. Can you click now available? Tell me when you've clicked now available. All right. Can you go to the... Let's see here. I probably should have told you this in advance. I apologize. Um, Can you go to slide, slide nine? And grab slide nine so we can show it on screen. 
Slide nine is, is this slide right here, this one right here. Thank you, sir. Very grateful. Judah Wickhauer is a good man. Thank you, Judah. Let, let us know when slide nine's on screen. This will take a couple minutes. Slide nine shows the year-over-year -year breakdown of Albemarle County, Charlottesville, Fluvanna County, Greene County, Louisa County, and Nelson County. I'm going to do a very thorough analysis of this in written form for you guys to see. Okay? I'm going to offer you my perspective of what's happening for you guys to see in the same way that I analyzed dairy market in phase three. I'm going to cut through the BS. I'm going to do it with an analytical lens that's based on data and no BS. As Judah shows that and puts it on screen, how far are we, far away are we from the company car, roughly? Uh, it's across from the temple slash uh, truest. Okay, so like a three-minute walk? Probably not that long, but... Okay, so we're going to have to wrap up here in T-minus five minutes. Let me know when that's on screen. Ah, oh, you know what? I told you the wrong slide. Darn it. Did I tell you the wrong slide? I actually need... I'm screwing you up, Jude. I need slide 12. I'm sorry. Slide 12 is the one that's most important. Slide 12, if you could put that on screen, please, sir. That's my fault. And next time I will get this to you in advance, I sincerely apologize. There are two board of supervisors and one city councilor watching this program and a handful of planning commissioner members and a boatload of realtors and more... Um, business owners and entrepreneurs than I can possibly count watching the show right now. So slide 12 is what I think is the most important slide. Slide 12 is on screen? Yeah. Damn, son, that was impressive. Thank you. Look at the screen. Everyone look at the screen. The most important element of slide 12 is at the bottom. Judah, do you see, do you see the appreciation for Albemarle County year over year? This is second quarter 2022 for second quarter 2023. What is Almoral County's appreciation? What's uh, the change? 11%. 11% year over year. What's the change for Charlottesville? 1%. So the city of Charlottesville is what? Flat? Yeah. Fluvanna County is 3%. <clears throat> Green County is minus 1%. Louisa County, nice little uptick, 7%. Nelson County, year over year, home values, year over year in Nelson County has dropped 25%. 25% year over year in Nelson County. Think about that. I'm going to break this down even more tomorrow. I'm going to tell you why Nelson County is down 25% year over year tomorrow. I'm going to explain to you why Greene County is down year over year. But I'm going to give you a little teaser right now. Almaro County jumped 11% because of the following reasons. Upzoning in Charlottesville City. Home buyers sprinting to HOA neighborhoods in Almaro County. If you don't want density and if you don't want upzoning and you want quality of life, effing buy something in an HOA neighborhood in Almaro County right now and do it before the values pop another 10% this time next year. I'm serious. Sprint to HOA neighborhoods in Almaro County and buy up the limited inventory you have right now because they're going to pop another 10% next year. City of Charlottesville has got a little bit of crime that it's been dealing with, although Chief Cotchis is figuring that out. It's got a little bit of political instability with this upzoning and rezoning. And Almoral County is a bit insulated from all of that. This time next year, Almoral County values are going to pop another 10%. Mark it down. I'm going to break this down even more tomorrow. If you own a home in Almaro County, you're sitting on stacks of paper. If you own a home in an HOA neighborhood in Almaro County, you are sitting on stacks of paper. I got to go make some TV commercials. Judah Wickhauer, Jerry Miller, the I Love Seville show on a Monday. God, it feels good to be back here.
It feels so good to be back here. Thank you, Lisa. Cuba. Thank you, Lisa. Cuba.